Today, Dr. Melanie Burton, a forensic and counseling psychologist, clinical social worker, and licensed addictions counselor, brings you one step closer to a new you, where you feel empowered and on a positive path to growth and well-being. As a solutions-focused therapist, Dr. Melanie Burton can help you live a life worth celebrating by unearthing those long-standing behavior patterns and perceptions that may be holding you back. And now, here's your host, Dr. Melanie Burton. Hello, everybody. I hope you're doing well and getting ready for the holidays. I'm so happy and excited. Today, I have Maria Baltazzi on my show. So let me tell you a little bit about Maria. <laughs> Maria Baltazzi is a happiness explorer. Her calling is to help you become happier and live more consciously. Maria's experience as an Emmy winning TV producer, well-being teacher, world traveler, and luxury travel designer specializing in transformative adventures has given her a unique lens into conscious living. Like all of us, Maria has faced challenges personally and professionally. Instead of letting life's setbacks defeat her, Maria was inspired to embark on a life-changing journey where she realized eight happiness essentials that create a happier, more fulfilling life. Now Maria helps you discover your path to happiness in a fun, creative way that combines journaling and phone photography. Maria holds an MFA in film from Art Center College of Design and a PhD and Conscious Centered Living from the University of Sedona. Additional studies include mindfulness meditation teaching, training with Jack Cornfield and Tara Branch, primordial sound meditation teacher, training from the Chopra Center, happiness studies with Tal Ben-Shahar, Positive Neuroplasticity Training with Rick Hansen, Spiritual Psychology with Ron and Mary Honick at the University of Santa Monica, Positive Psychology at the University of Pennsylvania, The Science of Happiness at the University of Berkeley, and an inner MBA from Mindful NYU. In her own happiness journey, Maria finds joy in giving back. She has walked over 7,500 miles to raise funds for charity, including marathons on all seven continents, and is still going. Maria's adventurous life has also involved climbing the 15,000-foot 15, 15, trail to Machu, Machu, Piki, Machu Picchu, leading African safaris, making pilgrimages along the Camino de Santiago, summing Mount Kilimanjaro twice, 
and tracking the Evercrest Base Camp. Maria has developed and produced shows throughout the world. She was one of the original supervising producers of the TV mega hit Survivor. She is a member of both the Producer and Directors Guild of America, a fellow national member of the Explorers Club, and an advisor for the Transformational Travel Council. Given her diverse experience, expertise, and infectious enthusiasm, asm, Maria is a genuine inspiration for those seeking to live their best lives. Welcome, Maria. Thank you. Thank you for having me as a guest. Yes, thank you for joining us. I just got your book. Oh, yay. And so. I have it here. <laughs> So I'm looking forward to taking a shot at happiness over the holidays. Oh, good, good. I hope you find pay, uh, inspiration in, in the pages. There's also a companion app that can be downloaded from the app store. So, oh, how nice. Yeah, there's uh, there's activities in the books. It's the photo journaling and the mm -hmm. um, uh, writing journaling that you mentioned in my biography that... Uh, all of those prompts, all of those activities now sit on an app and you can work on being happier wherever you go. That's awesome. Wow. You have quite the bio. How, did you, how have you done so much with your life? <laughs> well, you've done a lot. Well, you've accomplished a lot, too. I think, you know, we gravitate towards the things that interest uh, that interest us. And I always was interested in storytelling and travel is part of the DNA mm -hmm. of, of, you know, it's part of who I am. Yeah. And, and along the way, you know, doing, doing big television productions as well as small television productions in remote countries you know, you're always responsible for really the, the well-being of your teens. And, yeah. you know, th that started to impact me and thinking about my well-being. So then I started to gravitate towards that. So I've just always gravitated towards the things that I found interesting. So I went into television because that was interesting to, mm -hmm. to me. I I designed travel experiences because I love travel. I studied happiness and mindfulness because I wanted to have have um, my well-being intact and and eventually I wanted to share out what was hugely impactful to me to others to help them live live well. That's great. That's great. So tell us, what inspired you to write Take a Shot at Happiness? Well, being a producer, one of the original producers on Survivor for seven seasons, I had a front row seat to seeing human nature at its best and at its worst. And I always did the uh, final episode. So I was with the Survivor contestants until the very end. And so many times I would be sitting in interview with them where they would be saying, well, this isn't really me. This is me playing a game. And it's just like, 
yes, it is you. Those are your actions and behaviors. That's absolutely you. However, they just had never been put in a position where they were on a remote location without their family, without their creature comforts, vying for life-changing money to really know what would come out in their personality and their behavior. And so I feel that we all have untapped potential that we don't Mm -hmm. fully understand until we either test it like the survivors or we explore it, which is what my book helps you do. I took that as as part of the inspiration to create, uh, take a shot at, at happiness. Okay. And what is the secret to happiness? I believe that the secret to happiness is making the choice and then backing up that choice with consistent, intentional action. That you do something every day that is going to uplift you, that is going to impact the the betterment of your your well-being. So it's choice plus action. That's what I think is is the happiness. And then how you define that for yourself, that's the exploration. And that's what my book helps helps readers do, is that, that you are guided to explore what makes you happy or happier. Okay. And can you really achieve sustainable happiness? And what does that look like? Well, I think you can create a baseline of happiness that and and this is what I have created for myself over the years of of studying is that you know life happens. You know, personal tragedies happen, our, our parents die, you know, you know, we go into bankruptcy. You know, we have world events impacting us like, you know, COVID or, you know, now the current war. I mean, life happens. However, when you study and take on the habits, you know, the virtues and qualities of and habits of happy people, it, it, it creates a baseline for you to come back to. So when you may be spiraling out, You know, I know that when I get upset about something, I'm not going to stay there. I'm not going to be defined by it because I have done the inner work to know that I have the emotional tools to navigate the challenges. You know, first, I I recognize them sooner. I stay in them less time and I get onto the other side more emotionally intact. So when you talk about sustainability, it's it's more that you have a baseline that you know you can go back to is the way I is the way I look at it. So I feel like I I have a framework that keeps me that keeps me motivated, that keeps me uh positive, that keeps me moving forward. And I think that you can create and and sustain. Okay. You know, I'm thinking about the fact that it's holiday time and holidays aren't always happy for a lot of people. Holidays can be really, really difficult. Mm -hmm. 
That's true. And actually, right now on my social media, I've been posting uh, a happiness well-being advent calendar where I do short videos every day. That is a self-care tip. And I think it's so important, especially navigating the, the holidays and really anytime that, that you are taking care of yourself, that that that's when you hear on an airplane, you know, the, the steward saying, put the oxygen mask on your face first, then take care of others around you. That that's a that's a good life lesson is that you take care of yourself so you can show what better for for others and right. and self-care can come in the form of you know doing something nice for yourself every day you know whether it's it's something as small as as sitting with your favorite cup of coffee in your favorite location or reading a book that that you are really enjoying it doesn't have to be these big things it's it's also honoring that it's okay not to be okay, that that you know you give yourself a hug and and say say you know nurturing things to yourself. It's going to be okay. You know you'll get through this. You know, I think that there's a lot of of self care things that you can do to um, get through the holidays, which can can be difficult. You know. If you can, spending time front with people who love you, not necessarily your biological family, but people who really love and support you, you know, seek that out or get out into nature. You know, yes. being out into nature is just so good for, for your overall being, just breathing fresh air and, and seeing the trees and, you know, walking through through the hills. I mean, it's it's just so nurturing. So when you're feeling challenged during the, the holidays, you know, consciously saying, okay, I'm entitled to my feelings. I feel what I feel. I'm, I'm going to do things that, that are loving towards myself. I'm going to take moments of, of pausing and just, and just, just breathing, just being mindful of your breath. I'm going to take moments where I appreciate the beauty around me. You know, these are all very simple things that that are so powerful that that you can do to help navigate uh, difficult, um, you know, times during the holidays. That's good advice. I'm going to share that with my patients <laughs> because you know, for for them, you know, holidays can be really lonely and and difficult, especially if you don't have your family. I spend a lot of time on my own and I never feel lonely. And I know loneliness is huge really throughout the world. And I think part of self-care, which is you know something I get into in my book, is that that you can learn to be your own best friend. You can be learn to be your own company. Yeah, there's that. Uh, if you ever saw the Tom Cruise movie with uh, Renee Zellweger, um, uh, 
uh, Jerry Maguire. <laughs> I knew it would come to me. Jerry yes. Maguire. Yeah. Where at the end of the movie, he find, you know, realizes what a jerk he's been and he really loves her. And he takes her in his arms and say, you complete me. Well, yeah. no, you complete yourself. <laughs> and then you're with someone else as a compliment, mm. not because they're filling some void. And, and, yeah, it can be scary learning to be your own best friend, learning to be on your own. And, and you start small. Maybe you just spend, you know, five minutes having a cup of coffee at, at a, a public place. You know, you, and, and you increase that time. You do small things where you take yourself to a movie by yourself, you know, treat yourself to popcorn and and soda and, and watch a a film that that really touches you or make yourself a candlelight dinner. I, I do that all the time. I mean, make yourself a beautiful meal, light, light candles, you know, turn on some music that you enjoy and just just really appreciate you and, and your own company. I think that right. that would go miles to helping people feel not so alone. Right. And really getting to really, really know you and getting to really love you. Mm -hmm. Self-love is so important. Yeah, not long ago, I, I travel quite a bit uh, for for my business, uh, whether it's producing or the, the travel experiences that I take my clients on. And I did one trip to, um, it, it was in Kenya. And uh, there was this Montessori school really in the middle of nowhere, about 150 miles uh, outside of Nairobi. And we went to this uh, school. And as we were walking in, there were all these, these signs along the, the pathway, you know, empowerment, um, uh, uh, kindness, generosity, all these, all these words of, of affirmation, of encouragement. And we went to this one uh, second grade classroom where the kids sang the song about how, uh, look at me, um, I'm powerful, um, I'm good, I'm worthy. And I'm thinking, oh my gosh, these kids, they're in second grade and they're, they are being taught to respect themselves. Yes. And I thought that that was so beautiful and so powerful. And, you know, we go to school to learn to be therapists, to learn to be doctors, to learn to be uh, uh, lawyers and, and filmmakers. However, we're not taught how to live, how to have uh, well-being in our life. You know, we don't we're not taught how to be happy. Or, or given the opportunity many times to explore what, what is happiness to us as an individual. And that's, that's the hope of my book, is, is to give that, that guidance where we're not, we're, we're not typically getting it. I mean, one of the most, um, one of the most popular classes uh, at Yale right now is, is a course about happiness. Yeah, I heard about it. Yeah, that says yeah. a lot. Mm -hmm. It really does. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 
So um, why your approach to happiness versus anyone else's currently being talked about? I wrote the book that I wished I would have had early in my journey. And coming from a creative background, I wanted to go beyond the pages of an academic book. I, I wanted something that helped me to integrate what I was reading about. So my book, what, what I did is I qualified for myself, yeah, in my happiness journey, I qualified for myself what brought me happiness, what, what fulfilled my well-being, my, my well. And that it, there are things like being strong in my faith, having loving relationships, being healthy in mind, body, and soul. And so I, I qualified these for myself. And then I went and researched to see if there was science to back up what I was intuitively feeling and experiencing. And that became the happiness essentials, which are the chapters of my, of my book. And so what I do is I have readers read about love, read about the concepts, and then I have them take their cell phones and go out, their, their guided prompts, go out and take pictures of what does love mean to you? How does love integrate into your world of happiness? How does forgiveness integrate into your world of happiness? So I have readers go and take photographs of things that are meaningful to them that help them define happiness specifically to, to them. And then I have them journal about it. So you, you take what are intellectual ideas and you make them hard ideas and you make them specific, mm -hmm. you make them relevant to you. And I think that that's where mm -hmm. my approach is different. That's good. And the nice thing about that is, you know, if you're having a difficult day, you can go back and look at those pictures. And it and automatically it, changes your mood. Th that is that is so true. And and the other thing about taking a photograph, well, a couple of things about taking a photograph. And and this was what happened to me. Yeah, everything I write about. It's everything that I have I have done to success for myself and where I started my journey and where I am today, it's 180. And what I found with taking pictures, it it, it became meditative. So if if I focused on a yellow rose that caught my eye in the morning as I was walking and it was lit up by a beautiful morning sun and there's still dew on, on the petals. And I just focus on that one image. Everything else just melted away. Whatever I may have been worrying about, you know, that conversation that that upset me or that that presentation I'm a little bit nervous to give, all that would melt away. And I would just for one moment take a pause to appreciate something really beautiful. And it, and it was relaxing and it made me feel good. And I did this every day for almost five years. And it's still a, a, a big part of my 
uh, emotional toolkit, if you will, um, is is taking those images because it, it just was so centering for me. And the other thing, when you are taking photographs, especially the photographs uh, being prompted, as I do in my is as I give the the uh, photographic prompts in in my book, is that when you go back and you look at that that image, just like you said, it it brings back those that that positive feeling. Mm -hmm. And then you see things in that picture that maybe you didn't see or appreciate at the moment of taking that photo. So it, it, you know, there's, there's multiple things that, that are going on when, when you are taking um, pictures. And the other reason I'm using photography is if you think about our, our thoughts, usually it's a picture. And if it's and if it's a, a, a negative thought or an un, what I like to say an unproductive thought, you know you're picturing that. Yes. And so what I'm trying to do is help people find positive moments throughout the day in their daily lives to start creating positive mental pictures. You know, and when I feel when you do this consistently, when you are consistently looking for the good, you know, it starts to reshape your neural pathway towards the good, towards what's supportive. And you start to feel the benefits of feeling good and you you want to do it more. You know, the better you feel, the more you want to do it. And then it becomes a habit. And that habit is now reshaping your overall well-being. So what seems to be... Um, something very simple is actually very profound if you consistently do it. And it's fun. You know, we tend to do things that that we enjoy doing and, and, and avoid the unpleasant things. So I also wanted to learn to make uh, understanding, you know, learning about happiness and under, people understanding themselves better and what makes them happy in a way that was tangible, it was accessible, it was fun. So there, there was a lot of thought that went into why I use imagery and, and journaling and just the way I framed up my book. Yeah, it's like art therapy. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. It really yeah. is. Yeah, And there's so many people who have so many negative thoughts and they don't know how to get rid of their negative thought process. Your technique mm -hmm. solves that problem. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It helps you become aware of your thoughts. And when you become aware of your thoughts, then you can actually do something about it. I have only ever met two people that have said, I like my negative thoughts. I like stewing in my anger only two people. Most people want to be happy, but they just, yeah. going back to what we were saying a moment ago, they just don't know how. They haven't been taught. They haven't been given right. the tool set. Yeah, that is so true. So tell us, why did you choose to also use stories from film and TV? Because it makes it more accessible. We relate to stories. We like to hear stories. You know, ever since, you know, cavemen were sitting around fires, you know, drawing pictures and, you know, com communicating the story of the hunt for that day, 
we have love stories. And I wanted to take stories that that um, were from media events that that we all knew, we all identified with, you know, some of them tragic. Uh, I wanted to take stories from films that we know and love. And I also some I also took from some books, not as much. It was mostly uh, media events and and films that I drew from. And I thought that it was uh, a way to get into whatever the topic was that that I wanted to to write about. I, I wanted to make it a fun and accessible way. So I used story by way of access and relevance. So I would try, I would use story at the top of whatever I was writing about. And then by the time I'm done writing, I would come back to, you know, make to, to punctuate that story. So the stories acted, if you will, as a donut to uh, a, a lesson that you were learning about happiness. And I just thought yeah. it would be a more fun way of, of learning about happiness. Yeah. Well, I mean, just, you know, the first part of your, your book brings you right in there because That's you talk about, you know, the an episode on Survivor. It just brings, it captures you that very moment. The first few words just capture you. It's great. Thank you for saying that. <laughs> that that yeah. was the hope. <laughs> that's what I that's exactly how I felt when I started reading it. So what did you learn from producing on Survivor that stayed with you after you left the show? Well, the big one was the one that I mentioned earlier is that you don't know what you are capable of doing until you are in that situation. That 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 is the biggest one that has stayed with me, that you don't know what you don't know until you are there. And the other thing that I learned from doing Survivor is not judging a book by its cover, meaning that when as producers uh, in casting, before we ever got to the remote beach, you would be in interview with a potential uh, a cast member and they would be witty. They would they would just be articulate. They were physically fit, and you were. I mean, whatever those qualities are, you think, wow, they're going to be a great contestant. And then they would get onto the um, they would get into the game and onto a, a remote beach where they didn't have all the they didn't have the green smoothie. They didn't have their friends. They didn't they didn't have. You know, they, they didn't have their phone with them. They didn't have Insta Instagram. So what you would see sometimes is just people who would be great in interview in an urban setting, in an air-conditioned uh, hotel room, fall apart. And, and That would be me if I was, yeah, you, I wouldn't last a day on Survivor. <laughs> And it, it it was it was fascinating, and and it helped me to understand that there is a difference between being mentally 
and physically fit in an urban environment versus an outdoor or remote environment. That it's it's two different kinds of, of fitness. And I thought that that, that was uh, fascinating, which goes back to the first thing, which is you don't know how you're going to be until you're in that in that environment. You know, if you are physically fit and, and buff in, in a gym, and you get out onto an island and you don't have all those things that you do to, to keep you fit, you know, guys just fall apart. And I don't mean guys, men, I mean, men, I mean, right, as a, right. a general, you know, people yeah. just fall apart. And then you get the reverse where they rise to the occasion where you think, oh, this, this, they're a good contestant because they're, they're actually kind of wimpy. And then they just, they're, they're so strong. So it's, I, I just, th those two are, are, were big things that still stay, stay with me to this day. Oh, that's amazing. Yeah. That not knowing what you're capable of doing and not judging a book by its cover. Right. Right. Because you got to be really tough to be able to be out on that island all that time, mm -hmm. not having food, you know, mm -hmm. all, the, all the little things that we all take for granted, you don't have. Mm -hmm. Well, and I've even found that in, in my own travels, yeah, I try to pack as light as possible. And it's, it's, it always impresses me the things that you come to mm -hmm. depend on that are, that are so simple, that you come to depend on this, this one this one sarong that you use for everything, you use it to wrap yourself up, you know, after you, you get out of a, a shower, you use it to carry things, you use it to roll up and make a pillow out of it that, that, you know, you, you by necessity, you are, you become really resourceful with the small things that you have. Yes. Yeah. I can't do small things, though. <laughs> You'd be surprised. <laughs> I always overpack. I don't know how to <laughs> how to underpack. And what is the biggest takeaway for take a shot at happiness? Happiness is, to me, another word for resilience. You know, you, you use a book like mine to learn the virtues and qualities of happy people so you can better navigate those challenging times. So I think happiness is, is a beautiful word for resilience. And that um, happiness is a choice yeah. that you can make. And that that you back you have to back it up with intentional, consistent action. It's almost like it's a vow that you take every day, which is something I have done. Mm -hmm. The day that I made that choice to be happy every day, I'm not saying all my days are happy. I have my share of troubles too. However, mm -hmm. I still make that choice to be happy or happier in my life which is that baseline I was talking about at the top of, the, uh, of our, our conversation. Right, right. Well, tell us more about your book. 
So my book is a guide to being happier and it's a, a creative approach. And what I do is uh, every chapter is a standalone chapter. So you can, you can go through my book one of two ways. You can go through my book from page one to the last page, or you can just go to the section that you want to work on. So for your happiness, um, you feel, you know, I need a little bit of a boost when it comes to understanding and being forgiving. You can just go to that chapter and, and work on forgiveness. And so each chapter has, um, has sort of, uh, has an overview of the idea that I'm talking about. It has an overview of forgiveness since I mentioned that just now. And then it has eight bullet points, if you will, or eight snapshots using photography terms that are lessons about forgiveness. You know, things that you can do to uh, understand and be more forgiving. And then at the end of each bullet point, I have what I call centering thoughts and affirmations. And so, nice. yeah, so you can you can use those to just sit and reflect or at the end of the chapter, so each happiness essential, whether it's love or faith or gratitude, that happiness essential is its own chapter. So you get to the end of reading about forgiveness, and then I give you uh, photography and writing, journaling prompts that help you take photographs and write about what is meaningful for you and how forgiveness is is relevant to your overall happiness so you can and that's also where my app is really you know great to have because all those prompts are there so as you are out in the world you can be taking the the photographs that you're being prompted to do and and do the journal assignment so you can always be working on on being happier so yes you can either read the book all the way through or you can you can just go into the chapter you want. And when I have the journaling prompts, um, so you take a photograph and then you journal about it, I, I invite writer, uh, readers to use the, the centering thoughts and the affirmations that, that were part of that specific bullet point. Does that make sense? Yes, yes. Yeah. yeah. So, so it stays with you. Right, mm -hmm. exactly. Slow and yeah, it helps you to reflect on it. Nice. So yeah. can you talk to us about the eight happiness essentials? Well, it'll, it would take my whole book to go through all of them, but <laughs> I, but I'll, I'll tell you the, the, what I believe are, are the three foundational ones. And to me, while you can go my, into my book, into any chapter, and that chapter is standalone, how I designed the book and how I feel it works for me. Again, I'm, I'm writing about what has been uh, impactful for changing my life and did the research to back up, back it up. Um, is that, that I feel faith is my bedrock. You know, I am very spiritually based. I, I don't, I am not, I'm not 
telling anybody what to believe in. I'm not telling them what, what philosophy to prescribe to. That's entirely personal. I just feel that it's important to feel that there is something bigger than yourself that is is guiding you that has your back that that yes. is there for you i i just to me having faith is a vessel for hope it's it's a, a vessel for solace it's it's how you feel not alone you know right and, yeah i mean this is my experience so for me faith that's 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 the beginning and then out of that, it comes love. And it's love for yourself, taking good care of yourself, and, and love for humanity, for the people around you, you know, above and beyond your, your biological family or your closest friends, that yes, you love them, but you also you know, have a greater love. And then I think it's, it's health that comes after that. And health is three-dimensional, which your work is too. You believe in mind, body, and, and soul, mind, body, and spirit, that, that all of that is connected. And I very much believe that in your overall happiness and, and certainly specific to your health, that you're not just taking care of your physical body. It's also you know equally important to be taking care of what's going on in your head, because a lot of times it's... It's your thought process that's creating the disease that's manifesting in your body, you know, and then having that spiritual dimension is it just makes it, you know, makes you a, a more rounded person. So those are, those are my, my three, you build on that and then, then go from, go from there. That's wonderful. Yeah. yeah that spirituality is such a huge component. It is. Because without it, you know, you just don't feel whole. You just don't feel whole. And the spirituality also gives us strength. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 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 And yeah. For, those, for those of us who believe in God, like I do, God is love. Exactly. Yes. Yes. Exactly. And when you have that spiritual peace, you really begin to like understand or really, really uh, be in touch with what a beautiful universe we live in. And yeah. this universe is in control of everything, including our lives. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I agree. I yes. agree. So I know people want to know where they how they can get your book. They can find and the it. and the app as well. <laughs> well, the app is Take a Shot at Happiness, and that can be downloaded in the App Store. Uh, right now, it's for iPhone. We're working on Android, and then the book you can go to mariabaltazi.com to uh, order my book. Uh, you can get it from Amazon, you can get it from Target, Walmart, Goodreads, Barnes and Noble, pretty much anywhere where you can order a book online, you can find my book. That's great. That's yeah. great. Yeah. Okay, so Maria, before we end, how, 
what did you want to leave the, the, the listeners with? I'd like to leave the listeners with the knowledge that they genuinely have a choice in their happiness and well-being. It really is within their control. You know, I, you know, people can feel despondent and like, oh, my life is never going to pick up. It's never going to, to turn around. I'm never going to have the life they want. And it's not true. It's right. not. You know, it's, it's having that belief and choice that you can take control of your life and do it. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. But and my book will help you. <laughs> you certainly have. You, you have certainly done it. <laughs> yeah, thank you. Thank you. Well, thank you so much for spending time with us. So nice meeting you. And I'm going to have you back again. Going to have yeah. to have you back again. Well, it would be my honor and pleasure. Thank you so much. This has been a wonderful conversation. And I, I do sincerely hope that my pages inspire you and readers to mm -hmm. live more qualitative lives, happier lives, the life, the life that, you know, each and every one of us wants and we're entitled to. Yes. Yeah. You know? I'm sure I'm going to learn tips from your book that I can use with my patients. No, good. Well, I love that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah.